cold. 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 Who and there's people depending on you. Soldier on. Soldier on. For years, when we've had colds, flu, and other lurgies, we've been expected to, well, soldier on. Dosing up on meds and going to work, school, and social events. Then along came COVID 19. If you're sick, stay home and call Healthline. If you're sick, stay at home. Stay home if you are unwell, whether it's COVID or not. There's COVID and other nasties out this winter, so mask up. If you're sick, get tested and ride up at home. Even Codrill's changed its tagline to fit with the times. Soldier on sooner with Codrill. Kia ora, I'm Sarah Robson and today on The Detail... The stats show in the first three months of this year, we've clocked up more weeks off work because of sickness, illness or injury than at any other time in the last five years. But when it comes to taking sick leave, has the pandemic really shifted our attitudes? Or are workers being shortchanged? If we were scoring the, the New Zealand uh, workplaces, we'd probably score them you know, a C plus and say, you know, need to do better on, on employee wellbeing. Have you ever pushed through working while you've been sick? Go on, confession time. Yes, I I, I can admit to doing that um, at least a few times. Jared Ha is a professor of human resources management at AUT. Although, in all honesty, I can um, at least in the last uh, in my academic career put it that way. So, and that's the last she's nineteen years. So it would be more than a you know, it would be a handful of times, but times where I've kind of felt, oh my gosh, I'm not feeling well. If I can go and do my thing, you know, my teaching in particular, um, you know, tomorrow and get it out of the way, then I've got five other days to recover and and do the best I can. So yes, guilty as charged. And I guess that's that's a situation that many of us have been in, particularly prior to the pandemic. Yeah, and I, I mean, it is quite a common thing. I, you know, the weird thing is, I think originally we used to think of sick leave when you're young as, wow, if I get if I get sick or hung over, my work will pay me a day to stay home and recover. Um, but of course, as you get a bit more mature and, and interested in your work, then you start thinking, oh gosh, I want to do a good job. And, and then we possibly adopt the opposite perspective, which is, oh, no, no, I, I, I'm not really sick enough to take a day off work. I, I really want to keep on top of everything and do a good job. So perhaps somewhere along the lines there, as we've matured, we've, uh, we've haven't used sick leave as well as we should. I mean, what's the point of sick leave? What's it actually there for? So sick leave is to help us, you know, recover, if you think about it. And I guess on one hand, it's to say, hey, if you're unable to come to work because you're sick for whatever reason, you know, whether it's a pulled muscle or, or the flu, heaven forbid, uh, COVID, those kind of things, it's to say, hey, you're not going to be disadvantaged and, and unpaid while you're recovering. Um, and as we've got a bit more smarter, I think we've also realised that actually bringing sick people into the workplace is detrimental because they often <laughs> sneeze and cough, uh, spread the germs around, um, and then we could end up with more people in the workplace being sick and having and needing time off. And and so it's also a kind of, I guess, a, a potentially preventative uh, action to save other people. But mainly, it's just to to not financially disadvantage people who might be trying to recover from, say, an illness. 
So a quick sick leave 101. For employees, that's most people earning wages or a salary, you get at least 10 paid sick days a year. Some workplaces offer uncapped sick leave. But you only become eligible for it once you've been in the job for six months. That's a problem for people doing seasonal or temp work, although the government is looking at a fix for that. And for the more than 350,000 people who are self-employed, contractors and the like, well, they don't get sick leave at all. There's also the pressure we put on ourselves. Even Kim Kardashian's feeling it. I'm just trying to really live in the moment of how cool it is that I'm doing a Sports Illustrated shoot. I'm going to soak up this moment. (laughs) I am feeling like I'm getting a sore throat, so I'm starting to freak out a little bit. I'll never, like, not show up to work, but I think my body's drained a little bit. So how have we developed this attitude of pushing through, working through sickness in order to maintain productivity, I guess. Yeah, I mean, and it goes back to that uh, advert on TV, soldier on, you know, if if you're sick here, pop some medicine there and you can keep coming to work so you don't miss anything. Um, You know, there's probably multiple aspects that come to the fore with this one. One of those is possibly the reality that when we take sick leave, no one is is doing our work for us. So if you think back to maybe the you know your first job, so one of my first jobs was pumping gas. If I was sick at home, somebody else is going to be there pumping gas. But in these kind of more, you know, office worker, professional knowledge worker kind of world, my work is my work, and and if I have you know one day or a one week off sick, my work just sits there and probably grows and grows, in which case then when I come back from sick leave, I have to get into it and and probably catch up. So because nobody else is doing it, I think it creates that disincentive to actually take sick leave. You know, and let's be honest, sick leave should be about giving me time to recover. So then I'm well and then I can give give work 100%. So... um, Again, we've probably somewhere along the lines got caught up into this whole importance of work. Um, and, and I do acknowledge that we often now talk about the importance of well-being and how important that is. And, you know, and a healthy worker is a productive worker. So it's definitely quite an intertwined aspect. You know, on one hand, the government's increased sick leave from, you know, five days to 10 days paid leave which is clearly beneficial, um, and, th- and that might be more beneficial for some employees over others. In terms of that balance between being productive at work and maintaining well-being, how much has the pandemic shifted that balance or tipped the seesaw one way or the other? Yeah, and I think, you know, one thing COVID in a positive way has made us do is perhaps pay a bit more attention to being sick. Right. So instead of me saying, wow, I've got a bit of a head cold or, you know, I've got a head cold and I seem to sneeze a lot, but that's OK. I'll go to work. So you go to work, you know, you sneeze five times and, and, and every eyeball in the office is looking at you rather disparagingly, like, what are you doing in here? Have you got COVID? Um, you know, and then you realize, oh, my gosh, I should perhaps not have come in today. So I think on one hand, there's been a positive about recognizing you know, if you've got a COVID, you clearly should be at home. But 
you know, I know people who have had head colds, for example, and have said, oh, no, I went to work one day uh, and, I, and, and, and I was told in no uncertain terms that I, I shouldn't be coming back to the office until I've got a bit better. Um, so I think in, the positive out of COVID is that maybe we're paying a bit more attention. And that's probably been something we've, we've let slacken off for the last couple of decades, the attention around well-being. Um, you know, and we, we probably do think, oh, we can just soldier on rather than thinking of our, ourselves as maybe a high-performance vehicle, right? And so I take sick leave because there's something wrong with the vehicle and it needs some time to be fixed, whether that's, you know, whether it's a single day or two days or a whole week. Um, and then I could come back and perform at my top. And, and I think partly on one hand, we're starting to see that more. But again, a, a kind of the, the counterpoint to that is that I would suggest for, for a lot of knowledge workers, the workload just still keeps racking up. And so as much as people might say, yes, I understand I should have time off to recover, we're also thinking, man, I am just too worried about, you know, we've got these, uh, you know, smartphones and, you know, you can get all these notifications and you can see the work ticking in. So even if you're sick in bed, you might have your phone going, oh, my gosh, the workload just keeps, you know, keeps coming and it's never stopping. And that, I guess, in some ways has almost been exacerbated by the pandemic because throughout lockdowns, many of us have adapted to working from home. Now, just three years ago, working from home was a novelty reserved for the odd sick day. Now many are hoping the pandemic perk will become permanent. Trade Me has noted a 200% increase in listings that mention the ability to work from home. So is there an expectation among some employers that, hey, you can work from home, do your work from bed, you can get your laptop out, sit in bed, recover from your cold and send a few emails. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I do think there are definitely um, probably more than a handful. I think there'd be quite a few employers who would see that as not too much of an onerous demand, even though, you know, sick leave, if I, if I call in sick and said, hey, look, I've got a bad flu and I'm not in today and tomorrow, you know, legally speaking, I, you know, unless they challenge that and say, we need a medical certificate because it's two days. Realistically, I should be left alone. I shouldn't have to do a single thing. But some organisations are cheeky and they'll just say, well, I've got something important I need your opinion on. Um, Then you get people in certain positions like managers who do feel like, oh, no, give me a call on, you know, that project because I don't want a mistake to be made while I'm away for a couple of days. Um, So there's possibly, you know, pressures on how we use sick leave from both employers and employees. Probably some individuals don't help themselves, but I think one one takeaway should be, you know, encouraging organisations to, or at least managers, to leave staff who've called in sick alone and and don't tempt that, oh, why are you there? Could you just have a read of that document? Because if somebody's called in sick, we should be realising that actually that person doesn't call in sick very often and they're probably not feeling very well at all. And, and you know, you might think, oh, it's a 10-minute job. It might take a sick person an hour um, and they still might not do a good job on it. So we're probably not helping anything by trying to get sick workers to, to just do a little bit of work while they're you know, on the laptop in their beds. 
Stats NZ says in the three months to March, more than 44,000 employees were off work for a full week because of sickness, illness or injury. That's up two-thirds on the same period last year. And that's putting a lot of pressure on everything from the health system. Hawke's Bay Health Services are facing critical staff shortages due to a trifecta of illnesses with COVID, flu and norovirus. To small businesses. I know some hairdressers and barbers have split to their teams so that if one gets sick, you know, hopefully the rest don't get sick. We use people on call the whole time, but even our on-callers are calling in sick. To leave balances. Workers are being left in a precarious position ahead of the winter cold and flu season after using their sick leave, isolating with COVID-19. So how many bosses actually give more than the 10 days? Here's Wellington employment lawyer Barbara Bucket. The majority probably are stuck, stick with the 10 days. That's probably the boilerplate. But there are workplaces which have um, more than that. Some allow accruals more than just on an annual basis. And some have unlimited sick leave in terms of these wellness programs. So you tend to see the larger the organisation, often within the um, state sector or the health industries in particular, they'll have more. For those companies that have unlimited sick leave, what restrictions are there on it? Do you have to prove once you've passed a certain day that you are actually sick? Maybe you need to present a medical certificate. Yeah, and that's the other thing in, in the, under the law too, that you, an employer can require on, the, on day one that there is a, a certificate to back it up at their cost they will pay that. But yes, it's usually based around a trust model of fair and reasonable and or if they see that there's some, uh, you know, too much or it's a pattern of uh, sick leave, then they may ask for some proof that you're actually using that leave for sick leave purposes. So that's to prevent any abuses, I guess, of the system. Absolutely. So the, the employer can require evidence of the fact that you are not fit because of illness or sickness to be at work. If you have maxed out your 10 days but you fall ill again and need to take further time off and your employer only offers you the legal minimum, are you effectively in the hands of your employer as to whether they will allow you to take further time off and can keep paying you? I can take time off. The question of paying, yes, I'm in their hands. And that's where I get back to that good faith concept and, and, and being engaging and responsive to the situation and acting as a fair and reasonable employer could in the circumstances. So, you know, whether the non-payment of that is, in fact, a, a disadvantage to me because the employer is not acting fairly and reasonably in the circumstances, I think is an ar- arguable, but it's a moot, moot point. But in the first instance, you really are in the hands of the employer. If they don't wish to give you more than the 10-day entitlement, then you'll have to mount an argument like the one I've just suggested. And, of course, mounting those legal arguments takes time and it takes money. Many people just simply aren't in the position to be able to fight their employers. No, and that's why we have to elevate this to more of a, a national issue rather than rely on individuals having to fight their own individual cases to get a trend or a change in the system. It really does belong at the policy level, I think. You're right, because nobody's going to take that challenge on because the cost of your two or three days sick leave is going to be certainly outweighed, um, you know, the, the benefit of taking it any further to have that argument. If 
your employer does ask you to carry on working from home while you're sick, as an employee, do you have any rights to push back against that? Well, I guess that becomes, again, a medical opinion. You need to go to your doctor and say to your doctor, please, you need to provide a certificate that says to my employer that I am unfit for work, and that means I am unwell and I cannot work from home or anywhere. And, and, and again, you see, so, so this is also intersection with the medical profession as well. They have to be involved in this as well to, to explain to the employers that, that what they're asking here doesn't fit the medical prognosis and diagnosis. So those are the sort of things that have to be you know, incorporated into understanding. And again, they'll be fact and degree. You know, I might have a sniffle and I can still work, but I might have a sniffle that means medically, I'm, I, if I want to recover, I can't work. And then, of course, you've got to actually get an appointment with your GP, which sounds like it's a bit difficult at the moment too. The College of GPs warns that sick workers needing medical certificates are adding to the pressure on already stretched general practices. It says GPs have enough to do with winter illnesses and COVID. It says if organisations need proof that people are unwell, they could require a medical certificate after seven days of illness rather than the usual three. And that's another conundrum, isn't it? Because I'm told, and you'll hear, that you may not get into a doctor within a month. Where does that leave some people if they can't actually afford to take another sick day if they're not going to get paid for it? Yeah, that's a really good point. And we've seen that international studies like in the UK, for example, show that sick workers um, who are on a kind of, don't have any more paid sick leave or don't have any more paid leave or indeed are on, say, contract work and don't get paid if they're not working they will come to work and continue to work while sick. Now, multiple things there. One is their performance is going to decrease because, you know, you can't work well. Two, if they're contagious, whether it's COVID or just the flu, they'll spread it to other people in the office. So you've got those kind of fundamental aspects that draw back on it. And, of course, there's the cost of living pressure. People actually need to work because they need to put food on the table. Yeah, and if you think about it, that kind of financial pressure is another workplace reality. Now, it might be my workplace pays me well, so that's not such a problem. But but for those who have run out of sick leave, who are on contracts and only get paid when they're working, they have that financial pressure to keep working. Banks and landlords don't say, hey, I realise you've had a, a poor week of health this week. Don't worry about paying the mortgage or the rent. Um, that one's on me. And it's going to make workers who aren't well still continue to work. And of course, long-term or even short-term, right? Not only is my productivity going to be affected detrimentally, but I'm actually going to keep, you know, keep at the treadmill, so to speak, working, working, working while I, and I'm not going to get well, which is the whole idea of sick leave, right? Is to go and spend some time resting, sleeping, letting your body fight off whatever it's having to fight off, repair itself. And then we can get back into things like work. If we have that kind of financial pressure to keep working, not only are we not going to perform well, but we're also going to continue to keep working while sick. And that sickness is probably going to last longer and longer. So it could be this, you know, we could create a a, a kind of never-ending spiral, which isn't good for the individual for sure. 
Are employers actually getting on board with these wellbeing messages about letting their employees take the time to recover, even if it goes beyond, say, that 10-day minimum sick leave entitlement? You know, I think the minority, it's a minority that probably do a very good job. And it might be larger companies and it might be those that are more uh, financially prosperous you know, who, who have a different philosophy, a different approach to their workforce and, and care for them and, and probably radiate that care and say, hey, you know, employee X, I see you really are struggling here. You know, what can we do? Can we give you some more time off? So I do think there will be some actions out there in the, in the marketplace that are really beneficial to workers, but they will be the minority. Um, so even with all of this COVID for the last kind of two two and a bit years. Um, I don't think we've seen a radical updrive in the importance of well-being from organizations. I think a lot of organizations use those words, but it's probably a much smaller group of companies that actually make a serious commitment to their workforce. So, you know, I, I think as an academic, you know, if, I, if we were scoring the, the New Zealand uh, work, workplaces, we'd probably score them, you know, a C plus and say, you know, need to do better on, on employee wellbeing. That's it for today. I'm Sarah Robson. The detail is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand On Air and produced by Newsroom for RNZ. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. Today's episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Sharon Brett Kelly. Bonnie Harrison's our associate producer. And thanks to Jared Ha and Barbara Bucket. Kakiteano.